0: Gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome to episode 16 of the Two Pad Stack podcast brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions and Seat Geek. Remember, if you're looking for some tickets for any sort of event, check out Seat Geek. Uh, use the promo code Two Pad Stack Pod and you can save 20 bucks off of your first purchase. Um, I'm your host, Ace, and alongside me, we have our wonderful co host, Burrish.
1: How's it going today, my friend? Oh, it's going great! Excited to dive into this with you. How you doing?
0: Another day in paradise, for sure. Um, it's been a it's been a fun week. We've uh, I've managed to piss off two different fan bases on social media in the last week, <laughs> um, because I like to spew my unbiased takes on my personal account, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that later on in the episode. But, um, yeah, it's been an interesting week here, uh, personally. um Bruin's wise. It's been an interesting week, a little bit of adversity, never hurt anybody, um but uh but yeah, we'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, we're out of October. the first month of the season is now behind us. um Berge, how are you feeling about the Bruins so far at the end of October? Can you believe it's actually
1: November? this year's flying by? The, crazy, the 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 Bruins, I mean, their start to the season, I, again, they did it last year. We were surprised. This year, I did not think that they were going to be able to, to have the same kind of start, and they did. Granted, you can say what you want about the competition that they've played, but the way that they've been winning games is kind of exactly how we, we, we talked in the offseason that this team was going to need to win games, and they're finding a way to get it done right now. Early in the season, they've kind of built themselves a very nice buffer should they experience any kind of, you know, slump or downturn in the middle of the season with, you know, scheduled losses, you know, back to backs, all stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, overall, extremely pleased, very happy to see where, you know, they came flying out of the gate again, especially after last season, the way that they lost in the playoffs. You weren't sure if something was going to carry over in the locker room into until you know the next season and it seems like they put that completely behind them and they've kind of picked up where they left off last regular season
0: yeah and I I saw some of the stats that Nesson were citing before this Detroit game that I'm gonna go off on but um the (laughs) Bruins are are, they they had a better start to the year this year than what they even Mm -hmm. did last and they're doing it in a very different way um you know they still have you know Top end defense and goaltending, but somehow they've even gotten better on the defensive side of things this year than what they did last year, which is really impressive. With you know the departure of Patrice Bergeron, you really kind of expected that void on the defensive side of the game that he was so well known for to have a little bit more of an on ice impact, and and it it seems kind of like the Bruins, the black and gold, put on their work boots and they understand that. It's going to take a whole team committee, a whole organizational buy-in on the defensive side of the puck in order to have success anywhere close to what they had last year. Um, and that was that was exemplified by the absolute pristine goaltending previously to, to la- the, the last game against Detroit and the excellent defensive systems play. Um, the Bruins are scoring less goals to no one's surprise Mm -hmm. than what they did through the first 10 games of last year. But um, as we've previously mentioned in the two pad stack, you know, this year was always going to be a junkyard dog mentality. You know, it's going to be more difficult to score goals than what it was before. We're not out there as the Harlem Globetrotters anymore. You're going to need those gritty bank shot goals from JVR and that Mm -hmm. nasty stuff around the net um and that's what we're seeing so far so uh, on the offensive side of things it's what we expected the defensive side have really exceeded my expectations um compared to what I had at the beginning of the year
1: absolutely and you know you kind of hit the nail on the head with them kind of need needing to score those greasy you know grinded out type goals you're not going to see as many of the pretty passing you know the pretty passing pretty shots this year at least uh I don't believe that you will I, I they, to quote the mighty ducks, they got to clean the garbage up in front of the net and put the puck where it counts. And you, they're doing it defensively, obviously, in front of their you know, their elite goaltenders. And I, I, I don't think that anybody expected Matty Patra to contribute like he has in the first 10 games of his NHL career. I mean, his net potted, I think, what four goals already? Five, five goals. I okay. think, I think it's yeah. five, yeah. So I don't think anybody expected to count on even, even. Once he was, you know, making the NHL roster to start the regular season, I don't think anybody expected that kind of performance out of him. And he really has made a statement for himself. And he's been like, in my opinion, the biggest bright spot for this, for this Boston Bruins team, you know, out of the gate.
0: You were right. It was for, I think I read something about ESPN tossing an extra goal to him or something and that's stuck in my (laughs) head anyways. But yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Having that kid step into that role has been immense. And it's almost like, you know, they're picking up right at where they left off. Uh, and speaking of greasiness, um, happy to shave my crappy beard in support <laughs> and in solidarity with uh, all of our friends that are doing some charity work out there. Um, I managed to even start a little bit of a movement at the brewery here in town. All the other male bartenders have uh, gotten rid of their their uh, facial hair, uh, Sans mustache. So, we're all just a, a, a bunch of um, flannel wearing um, mustachioed uh, sud slingers behind the bar <laughs> here in awesome. uh, in Rochester, New Hampshire. So it, it's a little fun. We're all laughing about it. And, uh, you know, one of the guys shows up and he's got like a um, he, he, he just has like a, a thick black mustache up top. And I was like, dude, you had the whole beard like you should have committed to the bit and like done the full handlebar thing. Oh yeah! Um, I mean, I mean Milan Lucic. If you saw it, he just released something today on social media. Um, He's got the full handlebar mustache for Movember. Um, It's great. Burge is he's afraid to do it, but um, you know maybe one day we'll get him on that. Um, On the topic of Movember, it's not just to have fun and have mustaches. As I mentioned earlier, there is a charitable portion of it. you know for for i believe prostate cancer and other you know male cancer um awareness and research and fundraising um it, it impacts us close to the heart here too here at the two pad stack podcast yep. as you know we've got a close relationship with the only bruins guys um brett and Boosie. um brett or sorry Boosie is actually raising money this month for uh cancer research he lost his father uh a few years back to um cancer and if you guys have a chance please check out his social media account um take a look share it. awareness is worth something consider if you can to donate to the cause um it's going to a really good cause so um certainly take a peek at that once again that's at his uh, twitter account or x account uh at downtown boosie Two
1: absolutely um, great cause great cause be sure to get out check that out and donate if you can if not share it just to like I said the awareness is 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 enough as enough as it is
0: absolutely um the Detroit Red Wings game now burge I assume that you were able to watch that in it in its entirety
1: yeah, uh not 90 percent of it I watched yes
0: well okay good that, that's a step in the right direction for you we'll take yep. that um free time. <laughs> Hey, and you, you kind of, you kind of pointed the finger at me, and you said I was being a little bit sensationalist, which is fair. I can get a little, uh, get a little heated about things, and maybe, uh, maybe have recency bias creep into my comments, which we you pointed do. out. We all did. You know what? I'm not going to yell at you because I'm an adult here, and I can have conversations <laughs> without calling people tubby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um that was some of the worst fucking officiating I have ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just me either to say that. I had a buddy that showed up at the brewery last night and he's an old timer. Like he's he's not like super old, but he's like in his 50s, 60s, and he's been a bees fan for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And he's got that stare seri- like up in New Hampshire, we don't all have the Boston accent. Mm-hmm. But this guy walks in here and he's like Oh, Aaron, what, what the fuck was that game? He's like, that was the worst fucking officiating I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, you know what? I said that shit, too. But you've been watching the bees for about 20 more years than I mm-hmm. have. And and Burr says I was fucking out of my element on that comment here. So when the old timer echoes what I'm saying, I have some grounds to stand on. I don't know what the fuck those officials were doing that game.
1: Especially at the end of the game, especially at the end of the game when you're in a, in a close game and you are you come out and you call basically two penalties in like five, five seconds. There was a lot going on in the last last two minutes of that game, and it basically ended any hopes of a, of a comeback for the for the Bruins, and that was absolutely ridiculous. Now, you went on to say that it was the worst officiated game that you've ever seen, and that's why I was like, yeah, recency bias might come in there. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I find myself, and I'm sure you find yourself saying it a lot too, where I say I'll say that in the heat of the moment, all the time, all the time. That's not to take away from the fact that you were right—that this game was a load of BS.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the most part, he was on both sides too. You know, the Bruins. Like, I think Brad Marchand dove, and he mm-hmm. probably been could have been called for an embellishment. So don't call me biased. Don't don't say I'm a homer because I'm I'm happy to call out my players when they do this shit too. I was also the first one to come out and say. I won't say I'm the first. I was one of the first ones to come out and say. You know, when McAvoy did what he did, what a fucking bonehead play. Idiot. Yep. Completely stupid. You can't do that. It looked premeditated. And he skates down well after Ekman Larson has moved the puck. And he chooses. You could see him make eye contact. And he's like, I'm going to finish this guy right through, like, the head region. And I was like, you can't do that. And then you had a lot of Bruins fans out there, especially when when the decision for the suspension was handed out. Everybody's like, oh, my God, four games, that is ridiculous. That is way too high. And it's like, guys, like the whole reason the Department of Player Safety was implemented was because of the really bad head injuries that were being found in these guys after they had passed away and something needed to be done to curb the head injuries. What Charlie McAvoy just did and why he was suspended for four games was he inflicted an entirely preventable head injury on someone? Mm-hmm. He's a leader on this team. He's got to be smarter than that.
1: Absolutely agree with you. Not 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 to go on a complete tangent with the Department of Player Safety, but you know, I thought four games was a little high. I I thought he des- he absolutely deserved a suspension. I was in the ballpark of like a two or three three game because I don't believe yeah. Ekman. Ekman Larson missed much time I I think he came back in the game and I don't think he missed any games after that I'd have to look but you know Department of Player Safety they they are just it seems like they just throw a dart every time they, they they make a decision for a suspension like there's no rhyme or reason to why this player got four games and that another player got two games for almost the identical same type of hit. They're wildly inconsistent. So that's why I can be, I can, I can sympathize with some of the Bruins fans that were like, that's ridiculous. You know, all this and that because the department of player safety is ridiculous with their, with their lack of consistency and their lack of the, the history is there. I mean, it's, it's been this way for, for years. It's not like this is a new thing that said, I think Charlie McAvoy did decide to appeal. Did, they, they haven't seen anything about it. No judgment has come yet. out yet. on the. I think line. it's going to come down to three. I think it'll come down to three games.
0: I don't see them changing it. And right. I honestly could see them saying, all right, well, if you don't trust our judgment here, you know what? Fuck you. You know, here's an extra game. And I think they can do that. Um But uh I, when I first saw that, saw it happen, I said, you know, he's, he's a repeat offender in accordance mm-hmm. to the CBA. Um, and it was this particular incident that he got suspended for before. So before, if this was a brand new incident and he hadn't done this before, sure. I'd say probably yep. two games. But because of the repeat incident, um, I said anywhere from two to four. And it came in on that high range. So I'm not going to come out there and say what is the Department of Player Safety doing when it's the exact type of thing we're trying to get out of the game. What I will say it about is when Andrew Mangiapane does something completely boneheaded and the player is prone on the ice and he cross-checks him into the back of the head-slash-neck area and shoves his face into the ice. Why the fuck is that only one game compared to uh, uh, hitting to the head penalty for Charlie Mack? Like, I don't inconsistent. Wildly inconsistent. like that is more egregious to me, and I understand they don't have the repeat offender situation for Mangiapane, but just that re- repeat offender thing shouldn't be something that diminishes the severity of the the punishment that much because it was it was a bad bad play, mm-hmm. and that should have probably seen something that was like four plus games for that. That there's no that's assault. Like, yep. there's no if ands or buts. So, Absolutely I don't know. agree there. Absolutely oh, no. agree there. I could talk um, for
1: hours on the Department of Player Safety. So <laughs> we can get back to the game now if you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll reel it back in there. Um, this Red Wings game, though, like and I and I tweeted out a bunch of things that were like I said a little sensationalist, and I got the uh, I drew the ire of the Red Wings faithful. Which, um, if any of you are Red Wings fans and you are listening, please reply to that tweet so I can block you too. Um, if I could have all of you guys blocked at some point. <laughs> that would be wonderful, so I don't have to hear you. Um, you guys are just coming out of the woodwork for me and making it easy. it was It was really fantastic. Um, I didn't like how anytime there was a little bit of body contact, the Detroit Red Wings, from Lucas Raymond to Dylan Larkin to any of them, acted like it was two thousand four and they were Mike Ribeiro. Like do you remember that? when I do. I think it was like uh, Lapointe touched him mm-hmm. or like hit him or something, and then he was thrashing on the ice and convulsing, like he had some like brain injury. Um, and then he's on the bench laughing about it, like yep. ten minutes later. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, dude! It literally felt like we were playing the Canadiens of the late two thousands. Um, I mean, like the delay on the the throwing themselves to the ground and snapping their head back and. It was just driving me nuts. And, and you know, the officials never came out and said, all right, guys, like this is a little much like you're going to go to the box. We'll give you the penalty. Sure. You know, cool. But you're going to go to the box, too, for embellishment. They never did that. And that just gave the Detroit Red Wings the validation of what you're doing to embellish and to draw these penalties is a good thing. And we're rewarding you for it. And they're going to keep doing it until they get their PP slapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, absolutely. what the fuck is going on there? And and I don't know, dude. Like, I could rant about the officiating in that game for the next two hours, and I won't. But that was the worst game I've ever seen.
1: They don't, they don't, wise. The The officials, it seems like it's a trend since they brought that penalty into the game. They don't, they don't use it enough. Like, one of the things that I love about the NHL, at least, how it used to be is you never really saw people take dives it, outside of, you know, the, the few teams here and there that would do it. Like Montreal, big, big proponent of that, you know, Roman Hamrlik diving and getting scored on in the playoffs, you know, that that kind of stuff. Like, you don't, you don't see it called enough and that's why these teams are starting to do it. And you no, know, not to cross, again, across sports here, but the NBA is absolutely brutal oh when it comes God. to embellishment. And they're actually trying Soccer. to make an effort. They're trying to make an effort this year to, to eliminate it soccer's brutal i got soccer fans friends that'll tell you oh it's it's game it's to slow the game down this i I don't care i don't like to see people flop around on the ground acting like they've been shot and next thing you know they're up running around again you know what i mean like i i want that stuff out of the game and if the officials aren't going to call it yeah absolutely teams are going to teams are going to take advantage of it until they start being told they can't detroit perfect example on on saturday night doing that crap and you know it's 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 it helps helps fuel a little bit of a rivalry I think is brewing between the Bruins and the Red Wings after that game the other night I mean with the Red Wings kind of taking a step forward and being better than they have been the past few years I could you know you see a rivalry starting to develop there and that these two teams are gonna hate each other every time that they I love play. it
0: me too I love it I would love to have another team that I just love to fucking hate because I haven't felt that way about a team since Montreal in the late in the late two thousands. You know, when we were the underdog team facing the Goliath, and then when it's magnified by a fan base like Montreal, when Montreal has a good team, that fan base is the worst in the fucking league. Mm -hmm. It even makes Toronto look pale. Because Toronto, you know, all their fans know that they're a fucking joke, and they've been a joke for a long time. And sometimes I even feel a little bit of pity deep down in this, like, cold, hard heart. But, um... (laughs) But if you were here for it, Burrs, you're 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 just as old as I am, a little older actually. You're mm-hmm. old fuck. But mm-hmm. um, those those Habs fans in the Good. late two thousands, dude. Like and especially because they would come down here in New Hampshire and they would oh, treat yeah. it like a summer vacation. They'd be wearing their Habs stuff and they would treat the area down here like shit. Like leave trash everywhere. And so like, it, it not only was their team kicking the shit out of my favorite team not only was their goalie exponentially better than my goalie, not only that, but they were also just coming down here, filling the garden with their fucking fans singing. "Ole Ole Ole." Oh my God, dude. I hated them so much. Me too. And if Detroit can get there, trust me, if you, if my tweets are any indication, we are well on the path of the Red Wings becoming that next team. Um, I mean, especially when like, look at it this way. Like, Dylan Larkin is their captain, right? And he is trying to lead a young team toward becoming relevant in this league. They're an original six market that have been in a rebuild for the last, what, fucking 10 years at this point. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. And he's trying to put that team on his back and get them going. He scores a goal in the regular season to tie it in the third period. And he does the biggest celebration I have seen since the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. The dude's acting like he won a, a playoff game and or even like an overtime game. Does this like one knee down, giant fist pump up. And like, I'm all for having fun and celebrations, but I'm like, come on, dude. Like, you, you scored a goal. You're a skilled player. Number one center here. Like, act like you've been there before a little bit. Like it's it's ridiculous and then he then he's at the end of the game he starts pushing and shoving Hampus Lindholm like Hampus Lindholm that guy's like the nicest guy out there like he's got a big you know he's a big defenseman and he'll shove somebody when you get into the goalie mm-hmm. but it just seemed like it was out of nowhere and he's he's trying to start a fight and then he finally pisses off Hampus Lindholm enough where Lindholm goes at him and like folds him up like a fucking lawn chair and then and Larkin limps off the ice and they get misconducts. Like, have a nice day. <laughs> what a joke. Like, did you see all the shenanigans at the end of the game? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, th- that's, that's what I want to see in a rivalry. You know, when team when all the shenanigans start happening, when you have a close hard fought game, like this game was between these two teams and you see the kind of the BS that happens. I'm, I'm here for it. Like, Shows that the the players are into it, that and the fans are going nuts. Obviously, this game was on the road. It would be the same way if it was in Boston, and Boston was winning this game, and that that kind of crap happened. It doesn't bother me as long as nobody gets hurt. They want to push and shove, go for it. Bring the fire the next time these two teams meet. It just kind of sets the table a bit, and it's gonna. And again, like you said, I'm I'm here for it. I want that that hatred. I want to. I want a team that I can hate again because hating on Toronto is is too easy, and it's yep. it's, it's it's fun. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. I love going at at their fans when they're crying on Twitter and everything. I love it, and they they try to do you know these arguments that usually have no merit. And the Habs suck. The Habs are gonna are, aren't there yet again. So yeah, give me Detroit. Give me that team that we can hate and we can actually get up for for a regular like really get into like a playoff type atmosphere for a for for a regular season game. You know, I I I just I'm trying to think of the right way I want to say this. It's like. This this team, if they get there, I think the Bruins and the Bruins. This could be a team that could present a problem for the Bruins, you know, down the road. I, I think they can. I, I really do. And I, I'm not I, saying they, that they 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 may that they're gonna you know wipe the floor with the Bruins, but I think that this team is going to be a really really tough tough battle if this team continues to to ascend as they they have at the start of the season.
0: I can see it being a problem next year, maybe or yeah. the year after. Um, From what I saw out of Detroit this game, if the Bruins have anywhere close to their complete lineup, the Bruins have a two or three goal lead in this game easily. You know, they victimized the AHL caliber defenseman pretty glaringly off the rush multiple times. Um, And I can guarantee you that Dylan Larkin and all of them would be exponentially less tough if Milan Lucic was out there for a regular shift, um, maybe yeah. I, 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 they, they beat a, a, really beaten up Bruins roster right now. And it seemed like it took them almost an act of God to do that. Um, between the officiating and the, the power play goals that they had. And they still were trailing after two, like, Bruins played a strong systematic game and they had a decently goaltended game by Linus Allmark. Excuse me. Through the first two periods, the wheels fell off in the third. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk Linus. Um, so Sully actually reached out and he asked, um, How much weight does missing half of your defensive core play in Linus's performance against the Red Wings? What's your take on that, Burge?
1: I think it plays 100% into it. I think that the way the Bruins are built, they need to have their full complement of defensemen to be effective. I don't think, and again, I don't think that in this game, even if Jeremy Swayman's in there, you're going to get a different result. I think that they had too many breakdowns, and I felt felt personally that Linus Olmark was completely left out to dry in, in, in this game. So I don't. I'm not going to – my opinion on Linus Mark has not changed as a result of this game. It won't won't change unless I start seeing this as a consistent thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it didn't matter who the goalie was in there for me personally that they were going to – it was just, they, like you said, they were beaten up, and I guess Detroit's, Detroit's one of the teams that's kind of up and coming, and the way that they played the game, drawing the penalties and such, that it didn't matter to me. So I, I would say 100% I put it all on him missing guys in front of him personally.
0: All right. So, what is your take on all of these Bruins fans suddenly blaming Linus Allmark for that loss? It's There's a lot the of the...
1: softball lob. Let's go. Here you go. It's a lot of the same crap. It's a lot of the same crap that we've seen from this fan base regarding goalies when they don't play their, or the stat sheet doesn't show a perfect game out of their goalies. It, it's been the same thing for 15 years. If their goalies are not on, they are trashing the goalies. Last year's playoffs is a perfect example. Linus Olmark was a little banged up. Yeah, you can get on the coaching staff for not making the switch, but don't sit here and tell me that Linus Olmark sucks because he couldn't because he couldn't help the team win in that moment. And I know it was the same thing last night. I I cannot stand Bruins fans that are uneducated when it comes to goalies. It's it drives me nuts. And you know, you and I can go back and forth and disagree on 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 things when it comes comes to goalies, but we logically can back up our arguments, and we're both like, oh yeah, maybe we could see it go that way. Most of the people that just come out and say, Oh, Linus Omark, Jeremy Swim wet himself in the biggest moment. He sucks. Tuka rask sucks. Yara Halak sucks. You know, everybody in this fan base for goalies has been so spoiled with the kind of goaltending that they've had for the last 20 years, or we'll say, we'll say like 18 years when Tim Thomas really came into his own. They are spoiled and they are skewed. Their opinions on goalies are skewed because of Tim Thomas's immaculate. 2011 Stanley Cup run. They expect that to be a regular thing in the playoffs. That was one of the best runs in the history of the game for a goalie in the playoffs. This fan base they don't care about that. They just they just don't get it, and they don't understand that they, the puck has to get through five guys before it gets through the goalie. And I'm not going to sit here and say that these goalies don't make mistakes because it does happen. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here. Goalies aren't perfect either. But don't don't feed me the BS about a goalie having a getting four goals scored on him and not understanding the quality of the goals that went in and the quality of the play in front of him. I cannot effing stand it. Done. <laughs> I have an aneurysm over here. I'm so tired of it.
0: Yeah. um, I'm there with you, too. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Linus, but I will say that having the tandem in the way that it is, it opens and invites the conversation of who's better, who's playing better. And there's that theme of recency bias again. You know, when we see Linus Allmark through no fault of his own, maybe could have had a couple of saves here or there, but um, through no fault of his own, we lose the lead in the third and we lose the game. You know, when Jeremy Swayman is sitting there with a five zero and 0 record with a 950 safe percentage and he's looking like the second coming of Carey Price this season, um, it's easy for Bruins fans to be like, oh, Linus, you lost the playoffs for us and now you lost this game. Jeremy Swayman is probably the future of the Bruins. He's younger, too. It uh, doesn't cost as much. You know, that's just kind of the beast that it is. Low-hanging fruit. Um, Obviously, Jeremy
1: Swayman is is the future right now. He's younger. He's cost controlled. Linus Olmark is older, and his contract expires without control. Obviously, that's 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 what I'm that's what I'm driving at. That this fan base is so uneducated when it comes to this stuff. And what? I'll pose this question to you. We continue this route. We make the playoffs. Guess exactly what the conversation is going to be in the playoffs when one of these guys has a game like this. It's going to be the same conversation, and then it's going to be the oh, you have this guy sitting on the bench. Why aren't you playing him? Oh, we got to keep the tandem going. You got to go back and forth every other game. But you got your best goalie sitting on the bench. Why? That's that. That's what it's all going to drive down to. I can guarantee it. When it comes to the playoffs, if this team is there and the tandem doesn't work, or one goalie has a bad night, and then the next guy has a bad night because he didn't play the night before, you're going to hear the same same crap from this fan. This this fan base. The same thing. Yeah, triggering. You're triggering me right now, man. <laughs> triggering me right now. I don't need this after watching football
0: yesterday. I don't need this. <laughs> I'm
1: going to well, have an aneurysm.
0: Jeremy Swayman. He has looked fantastic. And I think his rebound control has looked exponentially better than what it was last year. Um, he's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He's laughing after every save. The dude's got a smile on his face. His, his personality is infectious. Um, it it's it's amazing, and I think he looks significantly better than what he did even last year. And I wonder if the arbitration process that he went through maybe identified some wrinkles to him that maybe the coaching staff was never going to be too forward about because you don't want to tear down your own players too much. Um, but that's the whole point of arbitration, right? You want to purposely identify deficiencies in a player to Reduce the market value in mm-hmm. the eyes of the arbitrator. So I believe because Jeremy Swayman went through the full arbitration process, he was exposed to where the Bruins believe he has shortcomings. Maybe he was able to work during the summer and address some of those things because he he does look better. Granted, small sample size, mm-hmm. and we could easily be flipping this conversation in one month. We're, we're a month into the season, not even half a month into the season here, ladies and gentlemen. And we're already talking, is one of these goalies surpassing the other goalie? Like, I think we can all take a step back and, and wait for the sample size to be larger before we make any um glaring assumptions or any you know conclusions here. But the early results have been positive for both goaltenders, but it's hard to argue with Jeremy Swayman with the numbers that he has. I say you keep the tandem going, one A, one B. Until somebody really significantly falls off or has a trend in their game outside of a one-game outlier, because that's all that Allmark game was—it was a one-game outlier. And I wouldn't
1: even necessarily call it a, a, a bad performance. Like that's that's the thing. Like it that game should do absolutely nothing to change what the Bruins goalie plan was at the beginning of the year. That's clearly to go every other day with these guys. That performance in in itself should not change that. If they start changing things. Then you're gonna have a, a conversation. What are they gonna change it to? Does this mean that we're gonna to try to move one of these guys? Does this does this mean we're going to anoint somebody, the number one? You, we don't know yet. Like you said, it's a small sample size. We're gonna continue. I I I want to wait till we get to a quarter of the way through the season before we start formulating any kind of like legitimate opinion as to what the Bruins should do with with their two goalies. That's that's where I sit. You need to have a strong sample size and at that quarter season mark if if one of them is clearly or not clear we'll say one of them is is definitely a step in front of the other then I'm going to you're going to hear me in a month two months sitting here saying what I said in the preseason start riding him start giving him multiple games in a row stop going every other day allow one of these guys to really get into a true rhythm playing every day and then see what you got now do we want? I don't know if we want to move into the uh, this other question that we got here since we're on this topic. From from Greg, he's he's he hit us up on on X here. Some people are buying into the idea of offloading Ollie, partly due to Boosie's, uh strong performances in Providence. How risky of it? How risky is it to make a leap like that rather than sticking with the reliable tandem at this level? Again, we're too early on to make a decision like that. So, yeah. I mean, any of those guys that are on Twitter calling for that, they're right in that. That that group that I call the uneducated dumb Bruins fan don't buy into that. We are way too early to make a decision like that. I don't know where you stand on it. I'm going to assume you're right there with me on it, especially given Bussie's does not have any real NHL experience other than the one preseason game he played in this year. So yeah, let's 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 save that conversation. It's it's way too early, and it's, it's a lot of recency bias based on on the the four goals whoa, four goals that Linus Omar gave up against Detroit on Saturday night.
0: Agreed. And if we take a step back and we look at it from a more, you know, holistic level, right, you know, we're not going to be able to judge. Like, like Burr's just said, we're, we're, there's, there's no way we can say, oh yeah, we need to trade Linus Swayman's better. You know, we can't, we can't do that. I mean, you've even have, you have national analysts from the NHL community saying, why on earth would Boston get rid of this tandem unless they financially are coerced to? We don't need to rush this decision. If we can keep Boosie working in Providence and improving his game, there's no if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is an old mantra here, right? So, if the front office decides that the cap dollars are spent better, and I know Burge believes it is, are spent better addressing other parts of the roster and having a traditional one and uh, two goaltending model. That is a summertime decision. That is mm-hmm. not an in the season decision. You go with these two guys being considered core members of your team into the postseason. You go try to win a cup. And then as Don Sweeney has proven that he's willing and capable of doing you retool or make roster adjustments when the off season is here. So I believe that they're going to try to keep these two together as long as possible. You also got to think of it from the Jacobs perspective, how much marketing they've gotten out of this fucking goalie hug and the tandem thing, Um, the money that they're making off of it. like It's it's a a merchandiser's dream. So um, until they stop getting dividends and a return on the investment for having these two goaltenders, there's no reason to believe that it won't continue
1: unless a team like Edmonton or somebody just comes in with a way over the top offer for one of these guys, that's the only way you even entertained the conversation at this point. See, Everybody way. has a price. Yeah. But that's the only way. And again, even if somebody came in with an overtop offer today, I'm not making the trade because we're still way too early in the season. We're way too early to make an evaluation on our two goalies at this point. They've been playing every other day. They've been winning, you know, Save the four-goal performance again. The whoop-de-doo four-goal performance that Linus Omark had uh, against Detroit on Saturday, they've been perfect. They've been about as close to perfect as you can expect a goalie to be, unless he's going out there getting shutouts every day, which is not realistic. They've been as close to perfect as really as hum- humanly possible in the NHL. So that's where I sit on it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um You brought up Detroit again. If I ever hear people that are literally in the city of Detroit, Michigan, chanting Boston sucks again, like my brothers in Christ, you guys live in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> like, tell me you've never been to Boston without telling me you would never been to Boston. Like, what a shit show that is. Like, it was just like, like, I understand it's just a chant, but like. You I guys have no fucking idea. Like, I can't I wait. It. I cannot wait for the Red Wings <laughs> to come back to Boston. Um, I, I love gonna it. It's going to be like that reason.
1: Night. For that reason. For that reason, I love it. It's bringing the rivalry. It's bringing it, and that's the environment I want when I want when I watch a regular season hockey game. I want it. Screw them for making you know f them for for doing that and saying that stuff. But boy, for the environment, I'm 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 buying it. I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm firmly on <laughs> fuck Detroit bandwagon Me too, I'll be right there with you I uh, I am ready to go to war With all these loser Red Wings fans
1: <laughs> Let's do it
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking of Of Burj and I going to war um, We're going to be going to war On Thursday uh, We're going to be in section 308 Burj and myself um row 14 in the real nosebleeds love it um we'll be in the house against the islanders so if you hear any uh inebriated uh 30 year old white guys uh on the television broadcast it's not us we wouldn't do that we're, <laughs> we're high-end people responsible um, parents <laughs> exactly we're, we're grown-ass men um but uh yeah we're super stoked um we are planning on – I'm hopefully going to be down at Night Shift Brewing uh, right next to the garden on Thursday. I'm hoping to be there around 5 o'clock or so, four thirty, five 5 o'clock. Um, if you're listening, if you're in town, um, I think Boosie might be trying to meet up with us. Um, would love to meet with you guys. Um, I'm not offering to buy anybody that shows up a beer, so don't get too excited. But uh, yeah, absolutely would love to put one back with you and meet meet anybody that's out there.
1: Absolutely would love to meet all you and come tell me my takes suck. I'm used to getting it on Twitter. Come say it
0: to my face. We'll have a nice conversation. Say it to my
1: face. We'll have a nice conversation about it over a beer. Let's do it. (laughs) I love it.
0: I love it. Um, But yeah, hopefully this is the first of many that we'll get to hang out in person and and, uh, hopefully maybe put some content together with the two of us uh, in the house. Um so i'm excited for that let's pivot here another uh listener question um teams that have surprised you so far and that's gonna be the good the bad the ugly and this is from uh our good friend ian kennedy so i um, gonna throw that at you right off the bat Burj. who has exceeded your expectations so far this year
1: uh, Vancouver, Vancouver Canucks, uh, have happened to be on the top of that list. They've come out of the gate. I don't think anybody really expected them to be, you know, you know, a team that was going to be, you know, maybe fighting for, for a wild card spot, but they're out of the gate. They had, they've had a very impressive start eight, two and one, um, out of the gate. So they're, they're right there. They're, you know, their goaltender, Thatcher Demko in BC right there, having a great start to the season. Six and two with two shutouts in eight games so far. Pretty good for a number one goalie right there. And uh sporting a nice 1.55 goals against average and a 94% save percentage. So right up there with the Bruins goalies, Patrick Demko's doing it every day. So great start for him. Uh so, yeah, Vancouver's atop the list. I know we talked a little bit uh, offline before the pod, and I'll let you you talk about this team too, but the other one right there is the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I thought they were going to be, uh, you know, another dumpster fire year for them, but they seem to, uh, you know, right in the middle of their division there. Uh, definitely a team that has exceeded where, where I've been, even in the games that the Bruins have played them. I know the Bruins beat them twice, but they were some battles in those games. So, yeah. Uh, that's it, an exciting team to, to see up and coming, too.
0: Bruins Bruins lost the second time we played them.
1: Oh, that's right. They lost in the shootout, right?
0: Yeah, no, yeah. in overtime, I think. Okay, now, yeah.
1: there's me missing a, missing, a, missing a game right there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a team again, a team even better, right? <laughs> even better. The, yeah. uh, the, they got a lot of talent on that team with, with Zegris. You know, um, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Troy Terry is another yeah. one. They they got a they got a lot of young a young talent there, so a team definitely to watch as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean those are the easy answers there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you could say um, Detroit has kind of surprised, but everybody kind of pegged one of those Atlantic teams to take a big step forward, whether it was you know the Ottawa Senators, the Detroit Red Wings, or the Buffalo Sabers. Obviously, things haven't gone as expected for two of those teams. But um, the Red Wings are, as it stands today, they are seven and four, seven four and one, um, and they are actually sitting second in the Atlantic Division. So um, they're probably they're coming. Probably, for you. They're coming yeah, for you. yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I hope they make a wild card, and the Bruins are like the top seed, and they get a first round of that. Like, I would love that series again. <laughs> like, I, we haven't played Detroit in the playoffs since like. I think like 2015 or something it was like, like that. 2013,
1: in the first yeah, it was like that. Yeah, they beat them right before they went to the cup.
0: Yeah, I think like Dougie Hamilton scored like an OT goal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, they were probably my first pick. And and as you had mentioned, like I pointed this out before we started recording, um, you know, Anaheim has really come out and been a really good story at the beginning of the year. Frankie Vetrano, especially, absolutely the the Springfield Mass Rifleman um just just scoring like crazy um i was talking to somebody in uh ea nhl in voice chat at the beginning of the year when the bruins are 5 and 0 and the guys like oh the bruins haven't even played anybody good they played anaheim and i was like you know the ducks are pretty good and this guy's laughing at me i was like well look who's fucking laughing now the ducks are fourth in the pacific above the flames above the oilers above the kraken like, that's pretty impressive for whomever has maybe, you know, thought about the Ducks. They're on a six-game heater. They haven't lost in six games. And for a young team, that is super impressive to me. And they weren't they weren't easy to beat even when the Bruins first played them. And they obviously got the better of the Bruins in the second time that they played. And we talked about that a little bit on last week's episode, how the Bruins kind of dropped the ball. And they let up those two goals with like less than two minutes left to let the Ducks crawl back and score mm-hmm. it all the time. But, um, yeah, Anaheim and Detroit are my two, um, you know, overachievers, I think, or, or, um, surprised with the successes that they've had. Um, first, who, who's kind of sticking out at you on the opposite spectrum? Who, who's in the bed here? So I'm not going to take the low hanging fruit
1: here, but, we can both talk about this one when, when you talk about them, but uh, my first one is going to be Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers, a team that's got so much talent, you know, in their forward lines, you know, with Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl. They got they they got the team that how how are they not made more noise in the playoffs over you know the last you know we'll we'll call it seven years, but eight years really since Connor McDavid showed up there. It's like. A team that cannot seem to get out of their own way, and I think a lot of it is 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 the same problems that they've been dealing with for years: the lack of real, true playmaking defensemen, and the lack of consistent quality goaltending. There, they 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 seem to they've tried to put patchworks on it, but they've committed so many so much of their assets to the you know their two big guys up front that for some reason they can't seem to get the goaltending right. Could you imagine? one or both the, or Edmonton having one or two of our goal, the goal is the Bruins have like they would be a wagon. They would be an absolute wagon. And they just seem to continue their struggle out of the gate again. And, you know, shame on them for not, you know, helping. I think I, I'm, I'm stunned that Connor McDavid hasn't asked out of there yet. I'll be honest.
0: Well, the, what does he get paid? Like 13 million a year. <laughs> somebody would
1: somebody would somebody would make you're right you're right somebody (laughs) would
0: you know move mountains to get that guy on their team for sure for the marketing and merchandising um, alone (laughs) What's uh, there's like the gif that comes to mind where it's um the fuck is that actor he's in zombie land um anyways he's dabbing his tears with the money like (laughs) um to your point about edmonton and I'll i'll give you my my shitters of the year so far. That's what I'm going to dub them. We can make a graphic for this after. Yes. Uh, we can have the the big dubs of the year and the shitters of the year. Um, I I think that even if the Edmonton Oilers had a Jeremy Swayman or Alina Allmark in net, they still wouldn't be doing great right now because the defensive lapses that that team is having right now. You can put the greatest goaltender in the world, but if you can't cover you know, the third, fourth, fifth shot in the slot or in the crease. If you can't cover the cross creases, one-timers, the goalie is going to get beat no matter who he is. Um, And I'm not saying Stuart Skinner is a top-tier goaltender in the league. I mean, when that's your number one, you're probably in a pickle in general. Mm -hmm. But um, they're not doing their goaltenders any favors, whether it's Campbell or Skinner in net. Mm-hmm. um they are uh just not playing the right way it, it, it's almost like it's almost like edmonton oilers are the toronto maple leafs of the west they've got the <laughs> high flying high octane offense but they can't get out of their own way on assembling a somewhat competent defense like toronto's best defenseman is a like 45 year old uh, um Mark Giordano, mm-hmm. you know what i mean? I'm yeah. not saying he's actually I'm I'm exaggerating here. Don't be like, "Ace, why did you say he's 45?" Like, what he's, he's obviously, you don't know anything. Like, I know he's not actually 45, but he's old as fuck. Um and when that guy is your best defenseman, you're in a pickle. And and don't say Morgan Riley to me. Morgan Riley's a two-way defenseman, that's best suited on the second <laughs> pair. He's not a number 1 D man. Um and Toronto has never, like, they went out and they got Muzzin. Muzzin was good for a bit there, and then he got sidelined forever. But um, I'm going on a tangent here, but it's, uh, Edmonton can't get out of their own way because they can't keep the puck out of their own net. It doesn't matter if if McDavid and Dreisaitl each score 60 goals. Mm-hmm. If you're giving up, you know, more than you're scoring on the other end. I know I'm like fucking John Madden here. If the other team scores more than you score, you're going (laughs) to lose. like some pretty obvious shit here. Like figure it out defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Edmonton is, is my biggest pick for what the fuck are you doing? Like you guys were a lot of people's pick to come out of the West this year and you have your thumb so far up your ass. And I don't know what you're doing here. um, Other teams that have been a really big disappointment to me, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyle Dubas goes out there, and he picks up Eric Carlson for a splash on the blue line. He's got a lot of veteran players on that team. He's trying to provide them the support that they need to go out and be competitive, make the playoffs, and make a run for Sidney Crosby. And the Penguins are currently sitting last in the Metropolitan Division with a record of 4-6. and That's not going to cut it. Um, and if that continues, I can see Dubas being willing to make some pretty sweeping changes in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Um, my second recipient of the shitter trophy, uh, for the beginning of the season is going to be the Florida Panthers. Um, mm-hmm. for a team that has gone, uh, as far as they did in the postseason basically acted like, um, you know, winning against the Bruins was their Stanley cup in the first round. And then they weaponized that and turned it into a deep playoff run. I haven't seen much out of them this year so far. Um, Not really impressed with what I've seen out of the Florida Panthers. And I know that they're still dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, Ekblad still out Um, Montours out on the blue line. Those are two big players on their blue line. Sam Bennett came back and then proceeded to get injured instantaneously. Um, so they're still missing some big pieces, but uh, for somebody, for a team that a lot of people, a lot of analysts had as a, a lock for the top three, um, hasn't been super impressive for the Panthers so far.
1: Nope, I, I can, I can agree with that. Um, they still do have a winning record, but yeah, they, I think there's maybe a little bit of the hangover from the, the deep playoff run last year, maybe setting in there a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that team does as, as the season progresses. Before we move on, I want to talk about the low-hanging fruit in the room here. About We don't want to talk about shit bags. How about the San Jose Sharks? <laughs> When's the last time that you've seen a team give up 20 goals in two games? I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> That is unbelievable, and if that's not a team that's trying to tank, and it's not obvious that they're tanking, just look at those results for those two games against the Canucks and the Penguins. My God, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. That's unbelievable. I feel I feel bad. You know, I almost that you want to talk about pity. I
0: kind of pity them. Like I wouldn't having to go out there and deal with that two games in a row, My dude. God. And it's not like, like I just got done saying, it's not like the Penguins have been a world buster this year either. Like, it'd be one thing if Vegas, even if Vegas came in there and dropped a 10 spot on you, like you're an NHL team. Like, you guys are still NHL players. Like, have some fucking decency and some respect and some pride, not just for the name on the front. You know, when the the Sharks are who they are right now, everybody knows that they're not going to be competitive, but this is your career. Like do it for the name on the back, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you're embarrassing yourself that you're even on the roster when they dropped back to back ten spots on you. Those that goalies, is unheard man. of. I, I just read an article actually while we we're recording, um, probably when Burge was on his epic rant. Um, but Mike Greer, the GM of the San Jose Sharks, he had a um, a meeting uh, with the players um, behind closed doors. And it was described as a one way conversation. Um, nice. He had informed them that, you know, the performance that they have had in the previous two games, and honestly, the rest of the season too, is not to the standard of San Jose Sharks hockey. Now, I don't really know what he means by that because the San Jose Sharks have been kind of meh for the last seven years, but I, I assume he's taking uh, issue with back to back 10 goal games. Um, and some of the NHL analysts had come out and said, you know, a change in the coaching side of things and personnel are not out of the question if they don't get their shit together soon. But, but they're still obviously tanking. I don't know. Like this, isn't this what you want? You don't want to be publicly embarrassed. Yeah, I, I,
1: I don't, I don't think they want when you're tanking team, you don't want to make it so blatantly obvious that you're tanking. Because uh, you're not going to sell seats, or you're not going to you're not going to do a you know merchandise anything like that. I mean, I th- the team is clearly you know a subpar roster out there. The goalies are uh, a couple of retreads and Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakanen, who Kakanen, I thought was going to be a a stud. You know when he was with Minnesota when he got traded out there. Clearly, I, I don't know if you want to pin it on the the quality of play in front of him, but I'm sure there's some sort of shared responsibility to that, that he hasn't taken a step to help his team and the team in front of him has been absolute dog shit. So that's that, that usually kills a career. And I mean, if you want to continue playing in the league, you got to kind of show some fight and you know, Mackenzie Blackwood, the retread from, from New Jersey, he played in both those games where they gave up 10 goals and he only played half the game. They, they split basically the goal is split the games in those two games pretty crazy and i'd be interested to see like what what kind of response they have you know when they take on the uh i think they're playing the flyers either tonight or tomorrow um it'll be interesting to see what kind of um response the team has it's tomorrow night uh at home against the flyers crazy the thing flyers was. have been
0: pretty good this year yeah too.
1: yeah those two those two 10 goal games were on home ice too they were right in front of their i own remember fans. did you see that there's a kid in there
0: in the stands, and he's like, this is my first Sharks game. I know. I feel like bad nine for years a old. like
1: that. Oh, I feel bad for something like that.
0: I saw one tweet. The guy's like, oh, my God, they got to give him, like, a truck full of signed <laughs> merchandise after I that know. to make sure I, that he stays a Sharks fan. I know. It's just
1: wild. I, I never thought I'd see a day where two NHL games would, for the same team would finish with that kind of scoreline.
0: It's not professional
1: hockey at that point. It,
0: I, I think if I was the goaltender for, for the Sharks, I would be like that scene from Slapshot where the goalie gets on the phone. Yeah. Trade me right fucking now. Trade yeah. me. Yeah. And hang up the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're fucking hang it up. Um, oh, all right. Man. So we're running up here on time. Um, we are recording this on Monday night. So you're going to have the episode drop fresh uh, tomorrow morning. Um, early in the evening so unfortunately we don't have any real analysis from the game that's about to occur in two hours as the time of recording this where the bruins are taking on another really strong opponent the dallas stars Mm -hmm. so hopefully the bees can get back in the win column um what are your expectations for this game and who knows maybe we can nail it and all of our listeners can think we're like Nostradamus or something (laughs) I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping
1: that you know, like you said. I mean, the stars are they're at they're on the Bruins are on the road in Dallas. The stars are seven two and one. Bruins are nine one and one. So I mean, almost identical starts to the season. And I expect a hard fought game. I, I I haven't seen any news recently today about guys that are returning to the lineup or if we're rolling the same lineup out there. I know Jeremy Swayman gets the start tonight, so maybe this is going to be his Linus Hallmark game where he's not going to be, he's going to get left out to dry a little bit, maybe give up four goals. But I, I like the Bruins. You know, the Bruins have typically been good at, at rebounding after, you know, a loss. I expect them to win tonight. I maybe not as pretty and easy fashion as we saw in, you know, the first, whatever, eight wins that they had, nine wins that they had. But I I, I expect them to to win, they're, they're going to be facing a uh, you know pretty good goaltender, Jake Ottinger, down there. I think he's getting the start, but I'd have to look. Uh, if he is in that, that's another young, type Jeremy Swayman prospect. Swayman versus Ottinger. It'll be a good goalie matchup tonight. We'll see who gets the better end of it.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I have a bad feeling about this game with the blue line as currently constructed. This Dallas Stars team is fast it's young it's Mm -hmm. skilled jason robertson is a very skilled player young kid um wyatt johnson down there as well he made the the stars last year at age 19 kind of like what matt patra is doing for us this year he's been off the schneid i saw somebody say that he hasn't scored a point in three games so he's going to want to get on the score sheet um i have a feeling it's going to be a lot of pressure on jeremy swayman and it wouldn't surprise me if this is Hear this. I'm oh, hold on. I'm I'm commuting with the spirits. I'm I'm I i got to understand what's going on later. I okay. Okay, they're talking to me. Okay. All right. Final scores and the Bruins. Once again, I'm super biased here. Remember, I'm a wicked, biased Bruins fan. Dallas Stars are gonna win this game four to one. Four that's to one. You,
1: you expect them to get kind of blown out? That's kind I of I think it's gonna out. be a
0: three to one game and an net goal. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my prediction. So, uh, hopefully, I'm wildly off, and the Bruins are right in it. And it's uh, it's still a dub, but uh, I don't think so, not tonight. I think it's uh, it's time for the Bruins to get a little bit more adversity, and uh, they come together as as a result of it. Four three Bruins tonight,
1: they win it late in the third. They win late in the third.
0: You hear that? Burge is the homer,
1: not me, bailing out their goaltender tonight. (laughs) Mark it down.
0: All right, guys. Well, this is a wonderful episode. Um, kind of short and sweet, although we are right at the usual hour. But um, yeah, Burj, it was awesome chatting with you about these things. As always, uh, once again, check us out uh, on TikTok, on Instagram. We have socials out there. We put out video content from the episodes. Um, check out Primetime Productions and all the great content they're putting out across all different types of platforms. Um, if you're looking for any tickets for any events coming up, once again, take a look at SeatGeek. Use promo code 2PADSTACKPOD to save 20 bucks off your first purchase and uh, reward us because um, that's going to go directly towards the production of the show, the kickback we get from that. And then finally, once again, a reminder uh, for Movember, check out Downtown Boosie's Twitter at Downtown Boosie2. Um, share a retweet. Make a donation if you can. Um, on that note, Thanks very much for tuning in to episode 16 of the two pad stack podcast. We'll see you next week. Peace. Later.